Welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. Welcome back. It's the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm Leanne Spencer, your host. And my guest this week is Jimena de la Serna. Um, Jimena is a nutritional therapist and this podcast is all about eating for hormonal balance. It's aimed at women, um, but there's a relevance here if, if you're a guy listening as well. Maybe your partner or somebody you know might have some of these symptoms that we're going to be talking about. So this could be really useful for you as well. So we talked predominantly um, or a little bit about um, Jimena's background and how she overcame polycystic ovary syndrome, which is PCOS, and basically cured herself as she learned to be a nutritional therapist and understood the effect that food would have on PCOS, but also on all the other hormonal conditions that can affect women. Um, and we talk a lot about PCOS. We talk about some of the symptoms, the signs, how you can use nutritional therapy, in other words, food, to, to cure that condition. And essentially, we, we break down what it is as well. And I was under the apprehension that it was to do with, with cysts on the ovaries, and it actually isn't. It's to do with insulin, testosterone predominantly. So it's really, really interesting. And we, we, we touch as well on the ketogenic diet. So that's high fat, low carbohydrate, and that whole way of eating designed as a way of, of bringing your insulin levels down and, and under control so that you can get that hormonal balance again. So this is a really interesting show. Um, if you've got questions for Jimena or for me, you can drop me an email at leanne, L-E-A-N-N-E, at bodyshotperformance.com. Alternatively, you can contact Jimena directly via Instagram, and she's at functionalforce on Instagram, and her website is functionalfemaleforce.com. So feel free to jump on that. I'll link to all of this in the show notes as well. That's it from me. Enjoy the show. So Jimena, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much, Leanne. I'm so happy to be here with you. So happy that you invited me. And this is kind of like the perfect time for me after being away, talking about everything that we, we're going to be talking about today. So this is yeah. kind of like a wrap up for me. Really, really good timing. Good, good. So where have you just been? So in the past four weeks, I've been all around Spain. I was giving talks and workshops in Madrid, in Barcelona, and in Mallorca. And out of those, the one in Mallorca was my favorite. It was, uh, I don't know if you know, it's Low Carb Universe. Uh, they just started last year and they are the only low carb event in Europe at the moment. Mm. Uh, they brought all the international speakers, uh, really, really top professionals on the low carb arena. It was amazing. So that was my favorite. And we even got a little bit of sun in Mallorca. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you, yeah. At time of recording, we're not seeing a great deal of sun, are we? But, okay, cool. So you're back from that. But just explain for the benefit of the listeners, give us a bit, of, bit about your background and how you got into to what you're passionate about. Awesome. So my name is Jimena de la Serna and I am an NTP. I've been, I'm actually from Colombia, but I've been living in the UK for the past 11 years. So NTP, um, is it nutritional therapist? Nutritional therapist, that's yeah. correct. Okay. Yes. And I'm also an, an online entrepreneur. I've been working online for the past six years. It's my passion. And all I do is always related and for women. Mm -hmm. I'm very passionate about everything that relates to women, their movement in every area of society and empowering them because we have very, very particular, it all comes to hormones again. And we have a very particular uh, build up 
And we can do so much if we pay attention to that buildup. So everything started when I was 13. I was diagnosed with PCOS, which is polycystic ovary syndrome. Back in the day, I was told that it was an incurable uh, disease, that I will never get rid of it, and it was for life, that I will have to mm -hmm. suffer with hair loss, infertility, acne, um, obesity, insulin resistance, and many, many, many other uh, undesirable things for the rest of my life yeah, that's that quite a diagnosis great. yeah that was great i mean i was 13 and they told yeah. me all of this and then when i asked what i could do uh everything they gave me was just take the pill they gave me a bunch of uh anti-androgens they completely cut my hormones which nowadays as an ntp i think i don't know i think that's horrific how can you give a 13 year old who's just developing, who hasn't got a fully developed endo endocrinological system, how mm. can you give her hormone suppressors? Yeah, sounds wrong. Sounds awful. And obviously, we didn't know better back then. And I took all those hormonal uh, suppressants and everything, but everything got worse and worse and worse. Because obviously, they told you it's incurable. So it's just going to be getting worse and worse and worse as you grow older. And it wasn't until I decided to, I got, always had a very keen interest in hormones and all of this. But after I studied, I started to study to become an NTP and discovered the low carb universe and everything. And I realized that uh, PCOS, after all my studies and everything, is nothing else than a type of diabetes, really, of insulin resistance. And that it can be treated just with nutrition. The mm. same way that type 2 diabetes can be managed without medication just by eating in a low-carb uh, fashion. I did exactly the same thing, and in less than six months, the PCOS was gone forever. Okay. So let's, let's talk a bit more about PCOS before we mm. go into the, the therapy for it, because it's something I've come across, not personally, but amongst a number of friends and, and clients that we've worked with. Tell me more about what that is, what the symptoms are. Um, how it might manifest itself. Awesome. So PCOS is actually um, one in 10 women and even more sources say that every one in eight women might suffer from PCOS. Uh, it's an endocrinological uh, disruption that happens because your body has an excess of testosterone. Okay, so it's a hormonal um, condition. Correct. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So um, what happens, but it, it's, it's, I mean, obviously it's in your DNA, like every, most, most of the things are in your DNA, but the fact that you have it in your, in your DNA doesn't mean that you're going to develop it in life. That's why we know now about epigenetics, which mm -hmm. is the fact that uh, your DNA is just like a cookbook, is a book of instructions, but that cookbook cannot cook those recipes itself. It needs something else to tell it uh, how to do it and to make that recipe. So it's the same with us, and that's epigenetics. If you have um, the gene in your genetic uh, makeup for PCOS, which you're gonna have in your family, you have uh, insulin resistance or type two diabetes, um, you are more prone to develop this if you do the wrong things in your life. If you eat a very rich carbohydrate uh, diet, if you eat uh, a lot of processed foods, sugar, etc. Um, so what happens with PCOS is that you start as a, as a teenager, when you start like blooming into your puberty, you start noticing really odd symptoms of excess testosterone, which is usually you start losing your hair in bunches where you can actually see bald patches in your head. 
you start having very inflammatory acne. Um, you can have, some of the women can have excess hair in their bodies, in their faces as well. Um, they can have a brown or a dark uh, tint at the back of the neck, inside of their elbows, and the back of the knees. Um, they will, many of them will have obesity, problems with weight. Uh, even when they're not eating much, it's just a complete problem. It's very similar to someone who's got diabetes because in the end, and many doctors nowadays call it the diabetes of the ovaries. Right. So what happens, Leanne, is that um, it's, it's like a, it's a cascade, it's a hormonal cascade that end, ends up in a vicious circle. What happens is that you have an excess insulin. You have an excess insulin because you have insulin resistance and because you're eating a carbohydrate-rich diet. That, um, that excess insulin stimulates certain hormones in your body that are going to make your ovaries not to ovulate. Let me repeat this because this is the main thing about PCOS. Many, many people think that polycystic ovarian syndrome means that you have cysts in your ovaries. Mm. Most women have cysts in their ovaries. That's not an unhealthy thing. It's a normal thing in most women. So the fact that you have cysts doesn't mean that you have PCOS. And the fact that you don't have cysts doesn't mean that you don't have PCOS. Mm. The thing okay. that... that um, defines PCOS is that you are not ovulating. Because you're not ovulating, you produce more testosterone. And because there is more testosterone, you don't ovulate. And right. you can see the circle. Yeah. More testosterone, no ovulation. No ovulation, more testosterone. Yeah. And it's continuing and continuing and continuing. So is PCS then, is part of that, the cause of it, an excess of testosterone? Correct, but it's not because you're born with this excessive testosterone. To rule out, obviously, when you're going to have a, um, a diagnosis of PCOS, you need to first rule out that there are other things in your body that could be causing the excess testosterone. Mm -hmm. There are other things, very rare, extremely rare, that can cause an excess testosterone. Most women don't have these conditions that causes excess testosterone. The excess testosterone is caused because of the excess insulin that is uh, uh, stimulating the ovaries to produce excess testosterone. Wow. And because they're not ovulating, then the testosterone is higher, the free testosterone is higher because they're not ovulating. And when you ovulate, you produce progesterone, which is the thing that balances out the testosterone, the free okay. testosterone. So, so that, a, is, that is the problem there. Right, okay. So it's an excess of testosterone, which can cause you not to ovulate, which can in turn increase testosterone, and off you go on that. Exactly, that crazy rat trap. Yeah, but it starts then with insulin, which is a fat storage hormone. Exactly. Um, released by the pancreas, it mops up the glucose in our blood, takes it to the liver, the muscles, and eventually the fat cells. That's correct. And that's a good thing. We need insulin. We just don't want too much of it, or our exactly. cells become resistant to it. So what is, what is the role of insulin then in, with PCOS? What's the relation? Okay, so what happens, uh, let me just say before that when a woman is uh, diagnosed with PCOS, they give her, like I said before, the pill and hormone uh, blockers. What they're doing there is they're just blocking the testosterone. They're blocking mm -hmm. that, that, that cycle, but they're not, they're not um, facilitating for the woman to ovulate again. They're actually not treating the high testosterone. They're not treating the high insulin. So just with the pill, the pill 
we have to have in, in mind that the pill doesn't regulate anything. The pill doesn't do anything. The pill just kind of like shuts everything down. It shuts, shuts your hormonal system so you don't feel the symptoms, but it's not regulating anything. Mm. It's just making you, it's like um, Alisa Vitti says, not Alisa Vitti, um, I don't remember right now the name. I'll give it to you later. Uh, it's in Alisa Vitti's um, book. Uh, that it's like when you have, when you're driving your car and suddenly you see a red light in your dashboard and instead of going and fixing the car, you just put tape over the dashboard so you don't see the red light. Obviously, you pretend that nothing is happening, you don't see the red light, but the damage is still happening. Yeah. So the solution there is treating the high insulin. You asked me, what's the, 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 what is insulin to do with PCOS? The insulin, like I said before, when there is an excess insulin, this excess insulin, which is a hormone, insulin is a hormone, this excess insulin stimulates the production of testosterone in the ovaries. Uh-huh. So if you're having excess, you need insulin, of course, but if you're having an excess insulin and a constantly elevated insulin, which happens when you're eating frequently, when you're eating a lot of carbohydrates, when you're eating a lot of processed foods and sugar, um, then you're constantly stimulating the production of free testosterone in your ovaries. And we know now that because of that free testosterone, you don't ovulate. And then there we go. The cycle starts of PCOS. As soon as you cut that excess insulin, just through food, just to stop to eat the things that trigger it, that testosterone levels go down. The woman ovulates. And as soon as the woman ovulates, her uh, hormonal balance starts to like be recovered and she can recover from PCOS, which is amazing. Okay, got it. So is this something we've recently discovered, the connection between PCOS and insulin, or is it, is it a fairly well-established and proven theory? Um, I would say today, as you and I are speaking, this is quite accepted that the insulin is the trigger of PCOS. But even when nowadays, and many doctors are trying to change, they're advocating to change the name of PCOS because it's quite confusing, polycystic ovary syndrome. So does it mean that if I have cysts, then I have PCOS? Not at mm. all. It's actually, an, it's actually a, a, an endocrinological problem, metabolic problem. So they are actually trying to change the name for metabolic, kind of like a metabolic uh, uh, ovary syndrome, because it's to do with the metabolism. Yeah. But even when nowadays we are kind of like accepting an, an, an understanding that is insulin the driver of PCOS, Back in the day, even when I was diagnosed 20 years ago, um, they knew, they've always known that insulin resistance goes hand in hand with PCOS. But they thought that it was a side effect of PCOS, when in fact is the trigger wow. of PCOS. So wow. in the, in the, back in the day, they used to treat PCOS as well with a drug called metformin which mm-hmm. is a drug that you give to type 2 diabetics to control their sugar. That is actually a better thing than giving a woman the pill because the pill is not going to do anything about her excess insulin. But the problem is that they only used to give metformin to women with PCOS who were suffering with excess weight. And the thing is that a percentage of women with PCOS, myself included, do not uh, have problems with weight. We have the insulin resistance, but we don't have obesity. And because mm-hmm. we didn't have obesity, we were never offered metformin, which would, have, which would have been a much better solution than giving us the pill. 
So, uh, but you don't need the metformin because if you just don't eat the sugar, if you control your insulin yourself through your, through the things that you eat, you don't need metformin. You don't need the pill. You don't need anything because that will regulate itself. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to come back to that. Um, and we'll obviously talk a lot more about, you know, how you moderate diet and, and the various other protocols that are help you to manage your insulin better. But what other hormonal conditions um, could, could be altered by food? I would say most of the hormonal conditions uh, when it comes to a woman, when it comes to ovulation. Um, I'm a fam, uh, FAMIS fertility awareness method, which is the scientific method of knowing your fertility. Uh, and that way you can know exactly in what moment of the cycle you are, in which moment you ovulate, and if you ovulate. I, I educate, I'm an educator on this. Um, and I always say the pinnacle of a woman's health is the ovulation. And ovulation is not only for making babies. Ovulation is a health insurance for a woman. When you ovulate, you produce, produce progesterone. And progesterone is a magical hormone for women. It protects your bones. It protects your brain. Uh, it obviously protects the future child if you get pregnant. But even if you're not, and even if you don't want to have children in your life, um, it's still the most amazing uh, hormone for a woman to have. And you can only produce this uh, progesterone if you ovulate. Mm -hmm. So you can see how if you're not ovulate, uh, ovulating because of PCOS or any other hormonal imbalance or because you're on the pill, if you're not ovulating because you are in birth control, that has a lot of uh, consequences for our health. It promotes osteoporosis and osteopenia, mm -hmm. which is the pre-osteoporosis state. Um, it, um, it affects our moods. It affects the state of our skin, our health, our muscle development. I mean, so and so and so many things. It kind of and makes I you want to, uh, to question why we still have the birth control pill then. Oh my God, Leanne. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you asked me this. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. sounds like it's something we shouldn't be recommending. I mean, from an NTP point of view, like from a professional point of view, I can never say legally to someone, stop taking the pill yeah, because course. I could get in trouble. But if you ask me, if you ask Jimena de la Serna, <laughs> outside of the NTP, of the record, I hate that thing. And I, I don't want to see kids because kids are put on the pill at a very early age. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to see that. I think... Uh, your fertility can be controlled. Obviously, not as a teenager. You can't pr practice fertility awareness method as a teenager because it's something to do for the grown-up woman who has the maturity and the responsibility enough to know her cycles and act about it. So for, for, for uh, teenagers, it's not uh, a good um, contraceptive method. But they nevertheless should learn it from an early age because that way they can prevent in the future taking this kind of drugs. Mm. They can prevent worrying about their cycles. They can prevent worrying about their fertility. They can prevent being told that they are infertile when in fact they're not. They might just have long cycles. I don't know why we have a pill nowadays. I would, there was an argument that some women with very extreme endometriosis benefit from it. I've seen it myself and I accept that some women who have this 
very, very extreme and debilitating endometriosis. Sometimes need the pill because otherwise they can't just carry on with their lives. I have a patient of mine who the only way that she could finish university was taking the pill because the endometriosis was so, so extreme that she could never study or do anything. But after that, after she finished university, she came to me and now we're managing her endometriosis through without drugs, just without, with um, a, a functional point of view and a nutritional point of view and with other things. So, yeah, that would be the only case for the pill that I can see. But it, to me, it's like they, they just recommend the pill for everything. A, a teenager goes to the clinic and says, I've got, got spots, take the pill. I've got mood swings, take the pill. I don't have the pill. I don't have the, um, the cycle, take the pill. I have abundant cycles, take the pill. Like, take the pill for everything. And that's mm. not, we cannot do this. Yeah. Okay. So, what are the things that you recommend then? Or, or actually, let's backtrack. What did you do in terms of your. Or did you? I mean, did you apply nutritional principles to, to your recovery from PCOS? Or was that before you've been qualified and before you learned what you've learned? No, absolutely. And it was great because I was being my own, um, my own guinea pig. Okay. So I was studying nutritional therapy when I discovered the relationship between uh, insulin and PCOS. And I said, well, I can't practice in anyone else because I'm not qualified yet, but I'm going to do it all myself. So I said, nothing worth, nothing bad can happen and what I did is obviously at the time I was still on birth control just to manage my PCOS and I said one day this is it I'm not taking this crap anymore and I stopped it and I started taking a nutritional uh, therapy uh, approach which was as simple as following a ketogenic uh, diet okay so ketogenic um, being high fat low carbohydrate correct yeah. so that will be absolutely no sugar no sugar at all i was very addicted i was i come from a family of uh, dentists so in my house there was never sweets i didn't grow up uh, liking sweets uh, but i did grow up liking fruit a lot because that was allowed in my house. It wasn't allowed sweets, but I was allowed fruits. And I could have like 10 fruits a day. And I thought I was being massively healthy with these daily 10 pieces of fruit with uh, fat-free yogurt and loads of honey because, hey, I am so healthy. Look at me eating loads of honey and no fat at all and loads of fruit. And what I was doing really was triggering and perpetuating my PCOS. So I cut everything. I I studied all the ketogenic diet, all the low-carb living, and I applied it on myself. And Leanne, it was amazing because after 20 years of suffering from it, after only two weeks, Leanne, my extreme inflammatory cystic acne went down fifty percent in just two weeks, and that was the first sign that something was correct yeah that I was wow. doing something right, so I continued, and every week and every week more of the uh, symptoms started to get better and better and better. Uh, my acne disappeared completely, which I had never been able to get rid of Leanne. It was a, for me it was so liberating to be able to know wear makeup to be able to have a um, a skin that was free of spots of inflammation of everything. And within six months, um, when I went for my annual checkup for my PCOS, my doctor was very, very impressed because I had none of the three things that you have to have to have PCOS. And she said to me, I cannot treat you anymore as a PCOS patient because you don't qualify anymore. Well, excellent. (laughs) Uh, what, What are the three things that they check for, by the way? 
Correct. So the three, the three things that, that uh, many people think that they can diagnose PCOS through a scan, um, because if you have, again, cysts in your ovaries, but we know now that no, that those cysts don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, what you have to have is, first of all, you have to have high levels of androgens or the symptoms of high levels of androgens. So um, the high levels of androgens, androgens are, for example, testosterone. Testosterone is the main one that you will test for. And, or the symptoms, because sometimes it happens that you get a test. Blood tests are not very good for these. I prefer saliva tests. They are much more accurate. And um, you can have the symptoms without having a blood result that is positive. And the symptoms, again, are uh, hair loss, uh, cystic acne, um, uh, excess weight around your middle area, hair around your body or your face. Um, so all of these things that are more related to men, because in a way, a woman is having excess male hormones. So you have male um, characteristics, mm-hmm. um, cravings, a lot of cravings for sugar. Although I don't like to have this one because cravings for sugar can mean so many other things. But for PCOS, specifically the high levels of androgens or the symptoms of high levels of androgens, you have to have... Uh, irregular periods or absent periods or no ovulation. And then the third thing is that you rule out other um, DNA illnesses that can give you high levels of androgens. But as I said before, those are extremely rare. So it's very weird that you have that. If you have all those symptoms, you probably have PCOS and don't have any of those other illnesses. And is there one test that will allow you to determine whether you do or not? Or would the first step be having that test to measure uh, the presence of androgens? Absolutely. There is no a test. There is no a, a PCOS test that says yes or no. Yeah. Uh, the thing is that you have to have those three things tested. So first of all, normally you start noticing it in yourself when you start seeing those symptoms, the excess adult acne, the, the hair loss, the excessive hair loss, the easy put on weight, the weight around your middle area. Um, so when you start seeing those things, that's your first sign that you need to go to the doctor and ask. I've heard that this might be uh, symptoms of PCOS. Can I please be tested for all my hormones, your testosterone and your free testosterone and all your female hormones as well? Mm-hmm. And that way you will, you will learn if you've got the PCOS or not. Okay. Just name those hormones. So testosterone. Perfect. So the first thing is testosterone, total testosterone and free testosterone. You need to have tested. Mm -hmm. And then you will need to have tested um, your uh, progesterone levels, which vary depending on the time of the cycle that you are. So you need to know in what time of the cycle you are. Mm -hmm. If you are not menstruating, because usually if you're not ovulating, you don't menstruate, uh, then don't worry, just have the test anyway, but you won't know in what time of your period you are, but that's okay. And then you need to have your estrogen tested as well. So that would be estrogen, uh, progesterone, and, um, and testosterone, and yeah. free testosterone. And also LH and TSH. Because okay. usually with excess insulin, you will see uh, um, abnormal levels of these two hormones, LH especially, which is luteinizing hormone. It's usually quite high when you have insulin resistance. 
and therefore when you're producing too much testosterone. So if your LH is high, then you have a pretty good case for PCOS as well okay. or for excess testosterone. And TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone? Correct. Yeah. That I like to have just because sometimes um, thyroid problems can mimic those of PCOS. So that's just to rule out, although a TCH is not enough to rule out a thyroid problem, but I like to have it anyway. But if you don't want to have that one, then don't worry, have the other ones, especially LH is very important to know if you're stimulating too much uh, yeah. Um, testosterone okay and i will link to to the tests and to those hormones in the show notes for everybody listening okay let's come then to the nutrition side of things it sounds as though a really good first step is just to eliminate sugars yeah absolutely um and obviously the, the, the default to that is is you'll be eliminating refined carbohydrates um in the kind of high fat low carb diet how much are you including vegetables because obviously they're a carbohydrate we're encouraged to eat a lot of those. And I think we should eat a lot of those. So where do you sit the high carb, low fat and, and vegetable intake? Correct. So I love that you asked me this, Leanne, because the kind of ketogenic protocol that I formulated, especially for women, I mean, there are, for example, the ketogenic diet can be used for many things. One of the things, of course, we've known for, for many, many years is for epilepsy. And in those cases, you have to be extremely, extremely uh, strict with your ketogenic diet for you to have a, uh, a good result. Uh, with your um, epilepsy. But it's not the same case for PCOS. PCOS is a metabolic disruption. And I agree with you, Leanne. I, the, the protocol that I created is specifically for women because I also find that women, especially in their follicular phase, which is the first phase of your cycle, benefit from a little bit of carbohydrate but they have to be very um, good carbohydrates, no sugar, no, don't go and eat the cake, don't go and eat the gluten. Um, I would say more like things like sweet potatoes, like parsnips, like, um, like yuca, like plantain, things like that. I found that they can help a woman ovulate if she has it every few days uh, during her follicular phase. But also, that will be more the maintenance part. First of all, you want to fix this insulin resistance. So at the beginning of my protocol, I eliminate those, car uh, those uh, carb-rich uh, root vegetables, but I do not limit green vegetables at all. I do not cut them and I do not limit them. Have them as much as you want. They are wonderful for you. They're wonderful for women, especially cruciferous, are really good for women who have been in the pill for many years, mm -hmm. because when you're in the pill, you have an excess estrogen, and you need to metabolize that estrogen. And the cruciferous vegetables are gonna help you metabolize that excess estrogen. So yeah. do not limit those uh, vegetables. Okay, at cool. That's, that's important. So cruciferous, um, for the benefit of anyone listening, is broccoli, kale, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, that those those vegetables. That Absolutely, yes, yes. Okay, so sugars out. You're managing insulin with the moderation or elimination of refined carbohydrate, essentially sugar. Um, introducing the cruciferous vegetables to help mop up and affect some of that surplus estrogen. What else? Um, what are all the other things? Uh, then depending on your case, you could benefit from some supplements, but that will be on a case-to-case -case basis. Mm -hmm. Because as I said, we... Human beings, you and I, Leanne, are here in the 21st century because we are 
pretty freaking awesome. Like we are, we are the result of millions of years of successful evolution, meaning that you and I, you that are listening at this moment, we are so perfect in the evolution. We are the most perfect than the human race has ever been, right? Um, we know we are a self-preserving machine. We are a self-preserving organism. Your body does not want to be ill. Your body is not programmed to be ill. You don't have to fight your body because your body is here because it knows how to preserve itself. So I always uh, do first thing is nutrition because as soon as you step aside, as soon as you stop being on the way of your body getting healthy, your body gets to health again. But obviously, depending on your age, if I get, when I get um, young girls, I'm really, really happy about that because their mothers may bring them to me and I'm super happy because they don't have a big baggage of horrible things done to their bodies. They haven't been 20 years on the pill. They haven't mm. been dieting for 15 years. They haven't been restricting calories for all their lives. They haven't been chronically uh, running to lose weight so they are not damaged and they are so easy to fix those girls they usually just need a few things from me and off they go completely healthy uh when a grown-up woman comes to me then she might have a bigger baggage of things that have been bad for the body so then we will address those things we will address gut health if she's got any problems with the, with her gut uh we will address um uh, some food intolerances because they might have developed these food intolerances because of their baggage as well. We will address those. And also because the fact that you have a food intolerance now doesn't mean that you're going to have it forever. It can be fixed in, in, in many times. So we will fix those as well. That will uh, improve your hormones as well. That will improve your uh, ovulation. And um, to be honest, my best marker of health for a woman, if she, she is ovulating, it means that she's pretty, pretty, healthy or on the way to health yeah okay cool yeah. brilliant Jimena thank you so much it's been really interesting um do you have any published content have you got a website are you on youtube you know or how is the best way that people can access more of your your information Absolutely. So Leanne, that, this is the, what I've been doing for many years and until now I've done it all in Spanish because believe it or not I am pretty much the only person talking about this in Spanish. <laughs> there are many in English, there are many keto people and everything, but in Spanish, I find myself to be so alone. So right. until now it's been everything in Spanish and I'm trying to move some of the things into English because obviously I live in the UK. Uh, I kind of, I'm getting interest a lot from the ketogenic side in English. So I'm trying to move my things in English, but if you speak Spanish or if you speak English, you can find me uh, on Instagram. There I use both languages. So that will be the functional force on Instagram. You can find me. And my website is um, functionalfemaleforce.com. That right now is uh, under maintenance. So I'm doing a few things to it, but probably by the time that this episode is aired, it will be live. That one is mostly in Spanish, but you can always get in touch with me in either English or Spanish. And on Instagram, I am the most active and you can see everything I do there as well. Cool. Okay. So I'll link to all of that in the show notes. So awesome. functionalfemaleforce.com is your website. It's Functional yeah. Force on Instagram. Okay, brilliant. Jimena, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Leanne. Great, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, help us to reach more people by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. We would really appreciate that and it would help us to spread the good word even further. 
Thanks again for listening. We'll see you on the next show.